Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. Glad you're with us. And today we are looking at navigating greater darkness. The greater darkness is here right now. It's been increasing for quite some time, and I believe it's going to continue to increase. And so we want to help to warn the nation, but most importantly, help you respond in faith. And with me today uh, are a couple of my favorite people. First, we have Than Christopoulos, who's often with us. Welcome, Than. How's it going? It's awesome. I'm sure it's going to be more awesome by the end of this podcast. And uh, and then we also, for the first time, we have Stephen Burke from Texas with us. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, thank you, Dave. It's good to be here. Awesome. And Stephen's ministry is The Lord Will Provide. That's the name of his ministry, The Lord Will Provide, which is an awesome reminder in any uh, any season, but especially when we have greater darkness. And, and Stephen, it's, a, it's good to have you it, it, for a lot of reasons. One, we might not get into this today, but how you trust the Lord for finances, meaning the Lord will provide. It's amazing. You've, you're like a walking sermon when it comes to, to that topic. But, but even more so related to today in this podcast is you have insight related to the day and hour in which we're living. You have insight uh, where we're going. You, I mean, as long as I've known you, Stephen, these are this is some of the main um, aspects of who you're about. So thanks again for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Dave. Okay, so to get this thing rolling, um, greater darkness. We want to help people respond in faith uh, today with a, a few different things, but but to set the table... Greater darkness, um, a big part of that is deception. And as I shared a, a few weeks ago, uh, Satan's end game is not just to deceive you and I individually and bring that kind of darkness upon us so we're confused, we're believing lies. Jesus called Satan the father of lies. It's not only to do that individually, but according to Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, Part of Satan's endgame is to deceive entire nations, and that's where we're at today. Um, In this nation, I believe at a higher level than ever in this nation, is the enemy not only deceiving individuals, but deceiving the entire nation. And so that that darkness continues to roll in. We want to be able to navigate this. Now, before we get into responding in faith and navigating this, let's just talk about this a bit. How are we seeing greater darkness? Uh, you know, today, it could be in the last few months, but how are we seeing greater darkness? Stephen, do you want to go or uh, should I go first? You can go first. That's fine. Awesome. Well, so how are we seeing greater darkness? At least within my generation, uh, you can definitely tell just from the embracement of postmodernism, the LGBTQ movements. Um, I mean, there's so many different things, not to mention the fact that my generation has just mostly rejected even the idea of God in all of itself. You can just see this all from just a bunch of different angles. So going back to postmodernism, just quickly, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so... I don't want to build up a straw man of the postmodern position because there's a lot more nuance that goes into it. But from a general standpoint, the idea that truth is relative, there is no truth. And you and I can have two very contradictory realities that are both true at the same time. So, okay, 
when you say that you're sharing your personal experience more or less, it's about narratives. And this is something that has just become increasingly part of our cultural discussion is it's not objectively what is true and what is false, which would help us get through this deception, this darkness. But it's, uh, well, tell me your story. And if the story has enough heartstrings, we just get drawn in, not really evaluating uh, what is true and what is false. And that's a big departure from where we've been as a nation in previous generations. Yep. Yeah, it, it is, uh, you know, it, as, the, as the scriptures talk about, we are going to be, in the end times, you'll be calling what is evil good and what is good evil. And we're clearly living that just as, as Stan was talking about. We're, we're clearly living in those days. And um, it's, very, it's very hard to watch. It's very frustrating. But, um, it, you know, the Bible said this was going to happen. So, so, I mean, a lot of what we're experiencing in our nation in terms of the father of lies, Satan deceiving us, it's actually coming in sophisticated ways. It's, it's not like we're believing in, in voodoo and witch doctors inviting that kind of spirituality in per se, but it's happening. Uh, the deception of our nation is happening through algorithms. It's happening uh, through uh, censorship, through um, cancel culture. Cancel culture is a form of intimidation where people might have the truth, but you just cancel them out before before people get a chance to even really process it. And so there's a lot of stuff going on here. And um, I, I was just really reminded of this just recently. Uh, on some of these Insights videos, we've talked about uh, the Great Barrington Declaration, which has a very different take about how to respond to COVID-19, the pandemic. And so... Um, so my wife and I, we Googled it. This is just actually here in January, so pretty recently. The first four uh, searches that came up said this, the Great Barrington Declaration hoax. Now, wait a second. A lot of people, if they're interested in that topic, they're going to, uh, they're going to immediately say, oh, hoax, and just move on. Or well, like we did, we read the first article, which was just a massive misrepresentation of the Great Barrington Declaration. And so you might not ever even get to the, 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 the website that you want and just, just dismiss it out of hand. And again, they keep saying with COVID, follow the science and the data, the people that put the, the Great Barrington Declaration together, their top Harvard, Yale, Stanford scientists, and they've had over 50,000 medical professionals sign it. You can go to that website now and look, there's over 50,000. So this is not a right versus left or an American thing in any way, not political. It is a global thing saying how we are responding to COVID-19 is the wrong way to go according to the science. So anyway, we just get massive national deception. I, in fact, in that example, it's a global deception. And so, you know, we just see this more and more in different ways. Yeah, no, definitely. And even kind of just bouncing off what you said, you just now with Nancy Pelosi, we have that uh, LGBTQ thing that she just announced on top of a bunch of other things. You know, uh, it's like, okay, right around January 1st, 2021, they reconvene for the the new session of the House of Representatives. And they come up with House rules every time they do this. And this is the 117th session of the House in our nation since our founding. And what do they do? They take out all these gender-specific pronouns, not making this up. Look it up online. Maybe we'll put a, a link in our, our description here for this at, at YouTube. But 
literally, you cannot say when you're doing business in the House of Representatives right now today through this session, you can't say mother, father, grandfather, grand grandmother. You can't say son and daughter, son, uh, uh, son-in-law. I, I mean, it was like, I don't know, 15 or 20 pronouns they're not allowed to say because they want to be more sensitive to gender-neutral language and, and gender uh, uh, transgender people. Now, what's really... Uh, odd about this. And again, we don't want to view this as left or right. We want to view it as a Bible thing. Uh, let's start there. In Genesis 1, 27, it might be the most important Bible verse we can be teaching on this subject um, in our churches today. It says, and God created them male and female. Uh, and we need to be teaching that in our, our kids' Sunday school classes, adult classes. Like we need to calibrate around one of the most basic teachings in the Bible, but it's because it's a major confusion. It's a form of darkness. It's overtaken the land. But getting back to this not being a right or left thing, it's not even a a Nancy Pelosi versus uh, Kevin McCarthy thing. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who ran for president, uh, was in the primary here in 2020 with the Democratic Party. Uh, She's been in the House of Representatives from Hawaii. Well, anyway, she called it out. She was saying, as as a Democrat, as somebody that just retired from the House of Representatives under Nancy Pelosi's leadership, she was saying, this is crazy. What are we doing? We can't even talk about our families anymore. And then, I can't remember if it was her, but I think it was others that called out Nancy Pelosi because Nancy Pelosi's Twitter, it says right on there, as she's describing herself, that she is a mother and a grandmother. So anyway, it's gotten crazy. Stephen, talking about what you were saying a moment ago about right becoming wrong and wrong becoming right. Yeah, it's it's uh, very clearly that's what's happening today, and it and it is very hard to it's 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 hard to watch as a nation. It's uh, as watch our nation change this way when when you know when you're in the scriptures and you're seeing what is truth, and then you look into the world and you're hearing and seeing what is happening out there. Um, it just doesn't jive, and it, it, it's very frustrating. It's very hard to watch. Um, you know, I was I was watching somebody the other day talking about um, you know people who are who are watching, uh, for example, CNN. Like ninety three or ninety four percent of the people that watch CNN, or maybe even ninety seven percent, actually vote Democrat. And people who are watching Fox News, it's uh, like ninety three percent of the people watching Fox News are. 93% Republican and voted for Trump and the other the other obviously voted for for Biden and so there is such this great divide and we're feeding you know the 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 uh, I don't know evangelical base I guess is feeding more of the good stuff more of, and I say that in a biblical sense um, they're hearing and, and understanding more of the good stuff and and the world is just being fed more and more of the darkness and they're stuck there and they can't see and anything. They can't see anything else. And just as believers really have a hard time seeing anything else from what is scripture and what is truth. Right. So part of what we need to do here to respond in faith is simply be rooted in the scriptures on every topic and responding with the truth. If there was ever a time for God's people not to be cowards, but be courageous, it's right now. And to share the truth in love, we don't want to beat people up over these things, but there is this huge uh, uh, void of commentary. And basically, um, all too often that void is us as Christians, and we need to be speaking into all things that the Bible talks about. Um, so 
maybe fan let's shift to you i i um i just want to say fan what god is raising you to do raising up for you to do right now is huge and i believe in light of the darkness that's rolled in and navigating darkness what god's put on your heart to do in ministry um could not be overemphasized by me. And so, Than, just share with us where your heart is right now in terms of how we can respond in faith. Yeah. Um, well, first off, thanks for putting all that pressure on me by telling me how huge it is. <laughs> um, just kidding. But <laughs> so the Lord, as as many as as many as our listeners probably already know, uh, the Lord's called me into ministry and specifically apologetics which there's a lot of nuance to that, but I'll just keep it brief for that, for the explanation at least. And so my heart really goes out to the church specifically. Most people, when they hear about apologetics, if you don't know what it is, it's properly defined as like a branch of Christian theology um, that just centers around making arguments about the truth claims that Christianity and scripture makes. And Normally, when you talk about apologetics, you're thinking about um, evangelizing and reaching the unbelievers. But the Lord's really put on my heart training the church and teaching believers and strengthening the church in, in the realm of apologetics, uh, just because it seems like the body's really lost that. So, and I think it's really important that we all know how to do it, how to engage people with it. Uh, not only for the sake of other unbelievers, but for ourselves as well. So, you know, we're looking at this saying, you know, what about all the non-Christians? We'll, we'll get there later. Um, I know that uh, uh, we want to touch on some stuff about a harvest that's coming later. But right now, we need to recognize this within the church, as you're talking about, amongst believers. How many casualties are we going to have if we don't know why we believe what we believe. I mean, when you talk about the kind of darkness rolling in, deceptions that we just introed with here, we are going to see Christians either compromising or completely leaving the faith um, if if we're not really sharp on defending the truth claims of, of Christ, of Christianity, and so forth, which, which makes me think of this, Stan. What do you think are um, some of the more um, pertinent uh, um, areas that we need to be defending the faith. I mean, obviously, we could list out a hundred things, and they're all import- important. I get that, but but where would you start? So, before I answer that question, some, you said something that's really important, and one of the things that really drove, I think, that the Lord used to drive me to this point, and it's the fact that you talked about like people falling away and all that stuff, and about eighty percent of kids. Uh, according to some recent studies, about 80% of kids that grow up in a Christian household leave the faith after they leave their parents' house. About 40% of children that grow up in a Christian household actually leave the faith when before they even leave and don't tell anybody. Hmm. So that apostasy is already happening. And not, on top of that, we already have all these celebrity Christians that are leaving the faith and then bringing a whole slew of people with them on top of that. Um, but to answer your question then, what, what are the more important areas of apologetics that we should be focusing on. I think at the end of the, I think it comes down to three things. One is, does truth exist? What is truth? Because if truth doesn't exist, then how are we going to, and we can't convince somebody that truth is objective. There is the truth, not multiple truths. 
say th- th- Than before you go on, I just got to interject because we we hit this. Meaning yeah. you and you and I, we hit this some weeks ago. But in Second Thessalonians two, the reason that people get caught up following the son of perdition, or what some translations call the lawless one, in the end times, is because they did not love the truth. And yes, that includes Jesus as the truth. But as we've already been talking about, there's a hundred. Uh, cultural issues the Bible talks about that we can get s- ensnared, defeated, compromised through all of that, all of that as well. But yes, please go on. No, definitely. I, I'm a firm believer that if you love the truth, if your heart is true, you will find Christ because Christ is the truth. Um, but like I was saying, it, you can't convince somebody to repent of their sins and put their faith in the Savior if they don't think that it applies to them because they believe something else. And then they literally think something else is true just because they believe it. So that's like the first thing. Uh, the second thing I would say is you have to convince somebody that at least a classical theistic God exists. Right. So what I'm, so what I mean by that is you're not necessarily talking about Christian, the Christian God right away. You're talking about just an agnostic God and you take somebody, you have to be able to take somebody from atheism and naturalism or materialism to theism and you can do that through things like the Kalam cosmological arguments by the way those are great videos that exploring reality on youtube where you just nailed the Kalam cosmological argument it means we just didn't get here accidentally god did it and it was amazing so anyway look up exploring reality with than christopoulos at youtube um but anyway keep keep going yeah so thanks for the plug. <laughs> um, the Kalam, the, mor- the moral arguments, uh, which I, I'm not going to get too deep into that right now. But one thing I do want to really push there is that if we don't know how to use the moral argument in specific very well, it actually pushes away unbelievers because most times I hear it being used by Christians, we're, we're using it wrong because we say you don't believe in God, so you don't have morality. When in actuality, what the moral argument is proposing is for objective morality to even exist and people to have objective value, God must exist. People have objective morals and values, so God has to exist, logically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but more on that later on a different episode. Uh, there's a teleological argument. There's an argument from infinite knowledge, like so many different things. Teleological meaning from design. We look out in creation, the universe, uh, or even one cell under a microscope. We see design everywhere. There's a design. There must be a designer. But, you know, Than, fundamentally, we're living in a day and hour where we need to know why we believe what we believe. And if there's greater pressure, persecution, probably not hitting on that in a big way today, but I definitely believe there's rougher days ahead, whether it's this year or five years or 10 years, whatever. But as Christianity has fallen out of vogue, um, cultural Christianity is going to be squeezed out. There could be persecution, but we need to know why we believe what we believe as well as knowing these things so that we can be rooted in our faith and, um, and stand against darkness. And again, I know I'm repeating myself, but there's so much darkness, even that's just surfaced in the last few months. And uh, we got to be on, or let me put it this way, we need to lift our game. Yep. Um, it, it, it's just, it, it's bad all around. And we need to, as Christians, we need to know how to, we, like you said, we need to know why we believe what we believe. If we don't know, that Jesus resurrected from the dead, 
what is that what does that really do to us as christians really at the end of the day um you if you can place your faith a common misconception uh, about the word faith is like it's a it's like this blind thing you just throw yourself into but the word originally in the, in the new testament and even in the old testament is to trust and when you place your trust in something the the strength of that thing that you're putting your trust in determines how strong your faith is in that object right so if i have the best doctor in the whole entire universe that's going to perform open heart surgery on me and i have just a random person how much confidence am i going to have in those two different people for those surgeries the same goes when we place our faith in christ if we know he rose from the dead as a fact then we then our confidence and our faith in him is that much stronger if we just think he did and because everybody else told us to what does that do to us we we, we don't have we don't we don't really know these things we and all of a sudden we lose our job because of covid and all of a sudden we lose our home or even get you get prosecuted or whatever it might it might, might be these things make your, your your faith so much stronger Man, I'm just curious, uh, how did you get into this aspect of apologetics and, and what you're doing now in the first place? Um, there's a lot uh, to that. And just to kind of keep things focused, I guess I'll, I'll focus on culture, right? Because apologetics also has an ability to shape culture. So one of, I, I noticed two things. One was culture in the church and then culture also just in the country we live in, the the people I'm surrounded by. So I'll start with the church and that really is, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? But I noticed that a lot of the body of Christ right now is very emotional in their faith. And there's not, like I said, there's nothing wrong with it because the strongest evidence you could ever have, there's nothing I could possibly do, no arguments I could possibly pose that's stronger than the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, God revealing himself to you in some way, shape or form. But that doesn't always happen. For some reason, people will search for God. And for some reason, he just doesn't reveal himself the way that they wanted him to in a way that's convincing to them. I, I, I don't want to get into the nuances of that. But whenever we go through a desert period and God's silent for some reason with us, people walk away from the faith. But if we have these arguments, we have this logical faith where we're loving the Lord with our mind as we're commanded to, it really strengthens our faith. On a secular standpoint, though, too, um, we have to remember that the gospel is never really heard in isolation, right? So it's always heard against the background of our culture. And we live in a culture of secularism um, and postmodernism. So for the secular person, when you, when you tell somebody about the gospel, they might think, well, I'm better off believing in fairies. But if you go to, for instance, um, Bombay, where here Krishna and Krishnaism is super popular. You go there, you tell somebody, hey, follow Krishna, and they'll think it's a very serious and they need to give it some serious thought because of the culture that's there. But likewise here, it's treated as just magic fairy dust that's, and Christianity is only meant for old people and little kids. And if we can change the culture that's surrounded that um, in our country through apologetics, it'll help with the gospel as well. This is such a key theme because, you know, um, when we talk about making it a reasonable faith and giving people reasons to believe, very specific reasons, of course, Jesus did that. 
Paul did that. Others did it like Apollos. Like this is so vital. And again, when we're being encroached upon by darkness and deceptions and a father of lies, this is required in this day and hour. This is how we can respond in faith. Um, You know, thanks, Stan. I just see this whole deal you're talking about, defense of the faith. It's just a, a now message. It's so vital, more vital now than it was five years ago or 25 years ago. And it was important then. Um, you know, half of Jesus's ministry was even doing exactly that. He's, he's saying, he literally said half the time, like half the time he would be, I am who I am. And then do a miracle. His miracles weren't just to help people. They were to show who he was. Yeah. 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 Amen. Well, uh, just shifting a bit, um, because there's a couple other things we want to touch on today in terms of responding in faith in light of navigating greater darkness. St- Stephen, just just plunge in with some other stuff. Well, I think it's uh, the navigating greater darkness is the, the way you navigate darkness is with lights. You have to have a light to navigate darkness, and the Lord is that light. And 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 truth really is the the apologetics of this is so important to to have that because even as an individual it's not just a culture but you as a person can easily get you know uh convinced to go a different direction than what is truth if uh if you don't have the truth solid within you and so it's easy to get off so i i think we have to be very um stringent in our relationship with the lord and 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 nurturing our our friendship with god and praying and 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 reading scripture and and just keeping that truth coming all the time and and really we have to be careful of what we listen to outside of the lord right outside of him uh talking about purity talking about um different ideas that are not uh based in scripture that are not truth and uh, so I, uh, one of the, as we were talking about earlier, uh, privately, is, is this idea of friendship with God is so important. And Okay, Stephen, if I can just, just slide something in here quick. It's really interesting to me that we're talking about the darkness and how, um, how Satan is the father of lies, and he's bringing more and more darkness into our nation. And Stephen, how you're hi- highlighting light, like, the, like Jesus said in the same chapter, in John chapter 8, that he calls Satan the father of lies, that chapter— begins with Jesus being the light of the world. The more we walk with him, we're with the light that is dispelling dispelling darkness. So please continue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, to me, that is how you navigate darkness. You have to stay with the light. It's like when it's dark outside and you have your flashlight, the only way you see where you're going in an unfamiliar place when you're in the woods or something is with that flashlight. You have to have the light. And that is the way this, this world is getting to be. It's getting darker and darker. And and it's getting to be where you need the flashlight. You need the light of the Lord to get you through. It's very important. So, 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 so what help, what's helps you walk in the light or is there some example in the scriptures, something that helps you walk in the light? Uh, well, I, the, the idea of friendship with God to me is so important and it's just like any friend. I mean, you, you need to talk to them. They need to talk to you. There's that back and forth communication. There's that hanging out together, doing things together. Um, you know, in John 14, or 15, uh, 14, or whatever it is, 15, 14, it says, uh, you know, those who are my friends do as I command. And, and there is a, there's a friendship in that doing the things that the Lord asks you to do and, and being very diligent and obedient to him. 
um, he loves that. And when you start cultivating that, you start doing these little things at first. Uh, and I've talked about this many times in the past where uh, people will just be, you know, think they, they somehow get a message from God that I need to go talk to that person or that I need to say something to this one or whatever. And, and then they do it. It's like, oh, my goodness, something just happened. That, that was clearly God that was trying to tell me something that was trying to communicate with me to do this. And that, and that friendship just continues to grow as that continues to happen, as you start, as you continue to do the things that God you feel like is asking you to do. Okay, so in our past conversations, you've had this like really powerful distinction that, that you shared with me uh, between Abraham and his nephew, Lot. Um, can you just give us a, a nugget on that? Because I have personally, for years now, since I heard you share this, found this helpful. Yeah, well, you know, Lot is uh, obviously Abraham's nephew, and and Abraham uh, gets a word from the Lord saying that he is going, that God himself is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and and Lot, who lives there, has not heard this message, and so what does Abraham do? He immediately starts to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, if there's 50 righteous, don't destroy them, and, and God agrees. And then he says, if there's 45, and if there's 40, and 30, and 20, and 10, and Abraham stops at 10, thinking, I think, I believe that Abraham thought 10 was enough, that there was definitely 10 people over there that would, you know, cause God to not bring the destruction. But we know that's not the case because what happens is Lot is Lot is at the gate of the city. He sees these two men walk in and into the into the gates, and he he addresses them. Hey, you need to come to my house, and and they didn't want to at first, and then no, he's insisted, come to my house, and so they stay with Lot, and and you know, Lot's like, what are you doing here? And they say, we're here to destroy this city tomorrow morning, which is at daybreak, right? Tomorrow morning. And, and Lot has, who's lived there, who is a, you know, who knows of God, who knows God, but he's not a friend of God, doesn't know that this is going to happen to his city until less than 24 hours before it happens. So Abraham, who was a friend of God, had an advanced warning Lot really didn't until it was too late. And um, and the angel says, we have to leave in the morning. And so they, you need to go tell your family. So Lot goes and tells his two future sons-in-law, that's why they're here. And they laugh at him. So they don't believe him. And so Lot goes back home and, they, and it's getting to be now getting towards sunrise. And the, the angels say, it's time to go. And this is so interesting to me. It says that that Lot hesitated. Now, why would he hesitate? What, are you kidding me? Okay, we need to get out of here. That's what I would do, I think. But I'm I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, man, everything I've built is here. All my friends are here. My future sons-in-law are here. Those kinds of things. And the angels has to grab his hand and the hand of his wife and his two daughters. Let's go. And they start heading out to uh, to safety. And and that's, to me, the, the hugest differences of, between friendship and, and just, or just knowing God and being a friend of God. Wow. That's huge. I mean, it was huge in Abraham's day. But again, as we look at what's going on and the number of lies that we're bombarded with, things that undermine our faith, uh, how much more vital in our generation 
um, to really be able to, to be close to God, be his friend. As you were quoting earlier uh, from John 15, verse 15, that Jesus called the disciples friends. And I know for me, I've had to kind of change my mindset from Abraham was a special patriarch in the Bible and amazing, and he was, all those things. But only God would get that close to Abraham. And as I read the whole New Testament and the Holy Spirit living within us and what Jesus tried to talk about, even in his prayer in John 17, about being one with the Father and us being one with him, God is calling all of us to have that oneness with the Father, which is what Abraham had. So like you're highlighting, Raj, or, um, Lot is declared righteous, but Abraham's a friend. Amen. And that's where we need to move. What I, You know what? I, I love, I didn't really foresee this as we we're going to talk today on this podcast, but what I love is that, you know, Than is bringing the reasonable side of the faith to navigate this darkness. And and uh, Stephen, you're embracing that and adding another layer of just the relationship, the the, the nearness to God. You know, Stephen, it's really... Oh, you can is go it, if, you, if you want to. <laughs> no, it's interesting to me also that in the scriptures, it says that no one can come to the son unless the father draws him. And yep. that's an, a, a key. That's a huge key that God is giving us to pray, to intercede as Abraham prayed for the righteous that live there. Lord, if there's 10 or you know whatever righteous, the number we also need to intercede, Lord, have mercy on the righteous in this day and age. Have mercy on the have mercy on them and us, right? And and he will. He hears those prayers. It, it says that, you know, that that God, when he when he had Lot saved out of Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that God remembered Abraham. He didn't say he remembered Lot, he remembered Abraham. And so that to me is such a vital aspect of this friendship that that God hears your prayers. He wants to have this friendship, this relationship with us. And if we cultivate it and we walk with him that way, good night, we can we can change things. Amen. I'm sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, no. By all means. I, I, I had a question for you, uh, which was because okay. this is something I hear a lot within the church and it. I don't know how to phrase this to keep the time where we need to keep it. But my question to you, Stephen, is some, I guess my question has to be prefaced with personal experience, which is um, when I first became a believer almost five years ago now, I was constantly told, you know, be fathered by God, you're a child of God, be friends with the Lord, you're friends with the Lord Jesus, called the disciples friends. But the thing that really set my faith on fire the the like that the snap realization where I know it where, where my faith went from casual believer to on fire just my whole life I eat sleep breathe the Lord was when I realized Christ is my King hmm. and that relationship between I'm His servant not only am I a child and a friend of the Lord but I'm also His servant and He is my King that is what set me on fire at least and. I got. I guess I wanted to pick your brain on that a little bit. Um, what can you kind of? I guess I want to see what your opinions on that are, just from your standpoint. Well, just to, just as I was speaking earlier, if you do what I command, you're my friend, and and that is a huge thing. If, if the, you, it's a partnership. I mean, you and the Lord are a partnership. He didn't give you salvation just because. Okay, yeah. now you're saying go have lunch or whatever. He's, <laughs> 
he has saved you because he has a purpose for your life. And, and so the, in, in the walking out, the relationship is where you find your purpose. It's where you find your, your, the reason he gave you this salvation. And uh, the enemy will try many things, try to distract you and, and get you out of that. But you have to, this is the discipline you're talking about is you have to really get to train your mind to, 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 to work on, you know, I have an appointment with God today, like he's in your daytime or whatever. I've got an appointment with God today. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to uh, read scripture, you know, whatever it is, but you're spending time with him. And, and that is, man, you, we need that. We, that is our lifeblood. Yeah. That is the, is the light in this dark place and in this dark world. And if we don't have him, man, we're not going to navigate this. You can't get through this with your own ingenuity because it's a miraculous ingenuity that God has that is way beyond the confines of the world. And, and so he, you know, I, I say this a lot, but to me, when, when you walk with a supernatural God, supernatural things happen because yep. that's nature. That's who he is. Yeah. That's, and it's not something to be afraid of or to, to, you know, to doubt or whatever. The scriptures talk about it constantly, how miraculous Jesus' walk was. And we are to be like him. We're to be like his son, God's son. And the more we walk with him, the more we will experience him. Well, according to John 14, uh, verses 21 through 23, as we obey, Than, you were calling him the king, and that really ignited your heart. As we obey the king, he said there, as you obey me, as you obey the father, that then he will manifest himself to us. And Stephen, that's exactly what you're hitting on. As we wrap up today, though, I don't want us only to be thinking about what we've said so far, which is like, you know, helping us discern the darkness, understand why we believe what we believe so we can not be defeated by the darkness, walk, you know, walk with God as our friend. That'll be powerful. I mean, all this stuff is great, but also navigating darkness, I believe, as we shine the light in there and we're doing these things, it means harvest. And I want to talk a bit about here at the end of just like, Moving out in faith, like what's God showing us in terms of God's always about seeing the lost come to faith? What, what's God saying in this area? Well, I, I'll tell you, for me, uh, for years, the Lord has been uh, really impressing him up, upon me about a harvest that is coming, an unprecedented harvest that is coming. And, and you know, people will be coming to stadiums in these um it will be very, very a vast harvest. God has so many things going on in, in, in the sense of focusing on a harvest during these very dark days that are coming. And uh, literally so just, about just, a week just, ago. Just a second, Steve. So you're saying both both harvest and there's there's difficulty coming. It's a both and. It's not an either or. Right. Absolutely. And, and last week, the Lord, um, I woke up, let me say that, at 4.30 in the morning and really strongly inside, I knew that that God wanted me to focus on the harvest. Do not forget the harvest. And and so um, it's an interesting thing that, that that God will be, you know, filling stadiums in the midst of darkness. He'll be, he'll be, there, there's even a, a gentleman that I've, I've met along the way that, uh, that God has doing, uh, writing musicals for an end time harvest that, that will be part of this uh, movement of God bringing in bringing in souls into the kingdom. Of course, that's why Jesus died. And, 
And one thing that God really emphasized uh, to me that morning was the idea that we are to love those people that we disagree with or that that are living in, in the world. And we are to love them. We are to hold on to them and hug them and 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 tell them how much God loves them and 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 tell them the good news. I don't consider myself an evangelist. I never have, but I know that this this aspect, this the, the um, evangelizing, is going to be a huge aspect of what is going to be happening in these difficult days. Um, with this great harvest that you say is coming, anybody out there listening, and even to you guys. Just I, I'm going to go back to what I know best, what I said earlier, which is focus on like four things when you're sharing the gospel, not only with the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, not only praying for people and healings and walking in power. But remember yeah. that we need to also remember to talk about that truth exists. There is a God that exists. Show people that Jesus rose from the dead and we need to know how to defend scripture, the Bible itself. And if we can have a mesh of all these things, this this experientialism and this reasonable faith at the same time, this harvest is going to be much more plentiful. Amen. You know, it's funny, Than, you phrased it that way, because um, uh, I've gone through the Bible reading, um, where is the life of the mind, meaning the reasonable side of the faith, and where is the life in the spirit, meaning we see God moving in power, and how often those two things come together. It's amazing to read through the scripture, Old Testament or New Testament. They're often intertwined as God is uh, most effective bearing fruit that way in greater harvest. You know, Stephen, um, when you're mentioning this about this coming harvest, um, it's actually interesting to me uh, that on November 4th, so the day after the election, it was really still kind of a toss-up, um, even though Joe Biden uh, was ahead a bit in the electoral Uh, voting category, um, it was still a toss-up. Would he actually uh, become the president? Well, on on January 20th, he was inaugurated. But back on Jan... I'm sorry. Did I say earlier January 3rd or... uh, I don't know. (laughs) So what I meant to say is on November 4th, the day after the election, when it's still sort of a toss-up, I just went to prayer. Like, I I would go to prayer, um, you know, any morning, but the election was on my heart. And it was suddenly like... The Lord was just um, really impressing me that, you know what, if it's a Biden presidency, he can take a harvest. If it's a Trump presidency, it might there might be different circumstances in our nation, but he can take a harvest. And it was all about harvest. It was all about uh, uh, believing him in these days, regardless of the amount of darkness, that God's heart is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Mm-hmm. Dave, I, I know we're pressed on time, but you said something and it jogged something in my mind that I, I believe was I was when I was praying to the Lord. Anyway, there's something I want to say. It's super important. Uh, and it's I, it really strengthened my faith when I, I believe that the Lord said this to me when I was praying. And it was this because I was I was upset because I felt like the election was stolen, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to talk about that. Long story short. A message that I believe the Lord gave me, at least personally, but I think is really powerful for a lot of people when it comes to the election. And and you said, whether it's a Biden presidency, a Trump presidency, whoever's in leadership, this is what I believe that the Lord said to me. And it was, the election may have been stolen from you, but it did not get stolen from me. Hmm. As in, the Lord puts people into authority and it's him who allows it. So 
the election did not get stolen from the Lord. He is still sovereign. He is still in control. He is still the king. And I just say that to encourage everybody. Right. And I think also the scriptures bear out that a nation gets who they deserve. Um, so we want to remember that. Is it Stephen Burke, your first podcast with us here in Forerunners? You get the final word. Anything on any of this stuff, go for it. I, I, I agree with that. I think we, if we can put the, the inspirational, the movement of the Holy Spirit in us together with the, the scriptures and understanding how to argue our faith, man alive, we are going to be powerful in the, in the time of the end, bringing in a harvest. The workers are few. We need more workers. Yeah, we do. <laughs> That's a good word, Stephen. And thanks again for being with us for, uh, for insights. And everybody else, thank you for joining us. We want to um, uh, highlight before we, we close here that Timothy Zebel on Forerunner's staff, he wrote a book called Culture of Lies. And uh, it's helpful um, to understand uh, uh, what's gone on in our world over the last few years, as well as, um, as, well as uh, discerning some of the things that we've talked about here today. And you can find that at, uh, at the Forerunners of America store. And thank you for joining us. We are here to stand against the darkness, walk forward. In other words, not just hold on to our faith, but become dramatically more fruitful in our faith. 